Thank you. Thank you so very much, Mark. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to participate in this series on the best Christmas ever. And I have to say that at the beginning, when we very first contemplated this sermon series, The Best Christmas Ever, I thought, Christmas 2020, if I'm going to say those four words, the only way I could probably say it are sarcastically. The best Christmas ever, right? <laughs> but I have to say that as we've been moving through these Advent themes, as we've been discussing and thinking about hope and peace and joy, I have been able to move from that sarcastic best Christmas ever to that question, best Christmas ever? Could it be? Really thinking it through. And now today, I just want to say that I have been able to move from sarcasm to question mark to exclamation point, the best Christmas ever, because of some things that God has laid on my heart to share with you about love. And I hope that by the end of my message this morning, you too will be able to come to that realization. Emphatic statement, the best Christmas ever. So how could this Christmas actually be the best Christmas ever? Well, there's three things. First of all, God's deep love for us. Secondly, receiving, celebrating, and reflecting upon his love. And thirdly, having a new approach this year to how we will express that love, how we will put that love into action. So that very first concept, deep love. When I think about married couples and I'm getting to know them, one of the things that I really like to find out about them is kind of where it all began. Tell me your story, the roots, the inception of your courtship. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about my story. So Matt and I, we were young, 16 years old. And we lived in the same small town, so everybody knew of each other, but you didn't necessarily know each other. So I knew him, but I didn't know him. We didn't travel in the same circles. We didn't go to the same school. We didn't go to the same church. And it wasn't until he moved five hours away to go to another school that we started dating. And the story was, my good friend Natasha and I decided that we were going to go to this youth conference. And the youth conference just happened to be being held at the school that Matt now attended. And it was one of those, you saw him from across a crowded room situations. And I saw him, and we spent a whole chunk of time together that weekend, just getting to know each other. And when the conference was over, I thought, well, next step, I'll give him my address. I thought, maybe he writes, maybe he doesn't, I'll leave it in his hands. And he wrote. In fact, I have that letter right here. The first love letter that I received from Matt Ritter. And I say the first love letter because for 46 months, we 
had a long-distance relationship, and this was the first of 175 letters, love letters, that he wrote to me, and I've kept them all. We have a special keepsake bin that holds all of the letters that he wrote to me and all of the letters that I wrote to him in return. And for some of you, you might be thinking, oh, gag me, ooey-gooey, lovey-dovey love letters, not my style. But I must say that through those 46 months, it was these letters that sustained us, these letters that helped us get to know each other. We would tell each other about what we were doing. We would tell each other about how we felt about things. And, yes, there was some of the lovey-dovey stuff too. We would tell each other about how we felt about one another. More than 400 love letters later, I consider myself a little bit of a love letter expert. I think I can recognize a love letter when I see one. And God's word is clearly his love letter to us. In God's word, the Bible, we get to know about what he's got going on. We get to know about how he feels about things. And yes, there is that ooey-gooey stuff as well where we get to know about how he feels about us. And how does he feel about us? He has a deep, sincere love for us. And the clearest representation of that love is Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to read to you a little bit from this love letter. It comes from 1 John 4, 8, and 9. And here we read, Whoever does not know love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So when it says that he sent his one and only son into the world, this is referring to Christmas. That's exactly what Christmas was. Jesus came from heaven to earth. And I want us just to take a moment today to explore that, to explore what it was like for Jesus to descend from heaven to earth. So Christ came from heaven to earth, and while on earth, he was a man. He was a serving man. He was not a wealthy or an affluent man. And while a man, he became a sacrifice. He submitted to death in order to be our Savior. So while in heaven before he came down at Christmas... He was honored. He was one of the three persons of the Trinity. We've heard about the Godhead. We have God the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have God the Son, Jesus, the one who came to us at Christmas time. And when we read in this love letter from God what the biblical writers said in order to describe heaven, they would use words like gold, precious jewels, pure water, abundant amounts of food, and great 
celebrations of joy. When our biblical writers describe heaven, they describe heaven using terms of the things that they love the best about their lives, the things that are the best at the time for them. And if we contrast Christ's heavenly existence with what we know from the love letter, what it says to us about Christmas, about him coming to earth for us, well, I think it's pretty clear to see that there is a deep, great love that he has for us. So the very first thing that Jesus experienced was birth. And birth is messy. And birth is painful. And birth is uncomfortable. And Jesus experienced the stress of being born into our world. And he wasn't born into a sterile environment, not a hospital with doting doctors and qualified nurses. We read in the love letter, his first bed, straw in a feeding trough. We think about his first smells, cow manure, sheep's urine, the, the first sights, the first sounds. Now, it wasn't just his time as a baby. About that deep love that God has for us. At that time, the religious leaders, they crossed their arms at him. They rolled their eyes at him. They ridiculed his family. They tried so hard to poke holes into his theology. They were pretty much oblivious to the fact that he had come to earth to deliver them. So when you have been contemplating Christmas in the past, have you been kind of oblivious to what Christmas really represents? Because if Christmas has represented something else to you up to this point, and now you're recognizing this for the first time, this truly is the best Christmas ever for you to come to that realization so now why would he go from this eternal fellowship with the Godhead to a place where he's now messing his diapers? Why would he go from a powerful place to a powerless place to becoming a helpless one who was born in abject poverty in a staring, terrible stable? I mean, what would prompt him to make such a drastic transition? Again, the love letter tells us. It gives us hints. Well, not just hints. It tells us directly that God has a special place in his heart for you. A sincere, deep love. A deep, 
compassionate love for humankind. He loved us so much that he came and put fleshly form on. We call this incarnation. He came to be born in a manger. And when he grew up, he died on a cross because of our sin to save us. So wrapping your head around this, this Christmas, best Christmas ever. We're deeply loved by God, and we can receive and celebrate and reflect upon that love. Absolutely nothing can stand in the way of us doing that. So speaking of reflection, you might have noticed that I have an ornament here. And if you're here with us today in the sanctuary, then you see that we have many ornaments that are reflecting light. If you're joining with us from home, maybe you're nearby a tree that also has ornaments. These ornaments, in particular these glass ornaments, are a really great representation of us as humankind. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about Adam and Eve. When God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect. And they were able to commune with God because of that perfection and because of his love. And as a part of that communion, they would walk together and they would talk together. But at some point, Adam and Eve determined that they didn't want to go God's way anymore. They determined that they wanted to go their own way. They wanted to be disobedient to the desires of God. And that disobedience, that going your own way, is the definition of sin. And when we have sin in our lives, sin is responsible to break us. Kind of like this. We become a broken mess. And the problem is that we try really hard to fix ourselves. And the problem about being broken, the problem about being messy like this is a sin problem. And I'm going to get to that sin problem in a bit, but first of all, my problem here is I need to fix this ornament because it's not mine, and, well, just bear with me. Safety first. Put on the gloves. How am I going to fix this ornament? I mean, it's shattered. There's pieces all over the ground, in fact. What works for fixing an ornament? Super glue. Let's get some glue out and see what we can do. I am going to make it all new again. Mm, it is not looking much better. Okay, so glue is not the answer to my problems. I know what might be the answer. How about some band-aids? 
Band-Aids fix every boo-boo, don't they? Okay, we're gonna pull out a Band-Aid and we're gonna put this ornament back together. Here we go. Oh, again, no good results. I need something stickier than the Band-Aid. I know what sticks to the roof of my mouth peanut butter. Let's pull out some peanut butter and see if we can put this ornament back together. Please don't tell the person that I borrowed this from. What's going on here today? Eh. Oh, peanut butter is not sticky enough. We need something stickier. What do we got to do with we have maple syrup. Seems like breakfast to me. Sorry for those of you who missed it. You might be, oh, how's this? This is, I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Suggestions, I don't know. I, I do know, I do know. The fixer of all fixers, duct tape, right? Duct tape. It fixes it all. If duct tape won't fix this ornament, nothing will. Let's get myself a good strip of red-green duct tape. How's it looking, guys? Even my safety glove is stuck in there now. This is just an absolute mess. Oh. It's broken. And just like I do not have what it takes to fix a glass ornament, to take this mess, to take this brokenness and make it whole again, I don't have what it takes to fix the sin in my life either. I need a savior. I need somebody who can fix a broken mess. And that somebody is Jesus. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus at Christmas time so that we wouldn't have to be this broken mess anymore. And Jesus was the perfect, perfect one to send because Jesus is complete, Jesus is whole, Jesus is perfect as well. The Bible tells us in the love letter, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come to fix us when we were broken because he wasn't broken. He was perfect. He led a completely perfect life while he was here with us. And he makes us an offer. He says, if you'll accept what I can do to fix this mess, to give you new life so that you can be whole and complete, if you'll accept that, then 
you and I can be in communion again. This can fix your mess. This can bring you into my family. You can be complete. Friends, if you do that right now, if you recognize that you're a mess and every single thing that you try to do yourself to fix the mess just makes it look a whole lot worse, and you can recognize that Jesus is the one who can fix this, who can give you that new life that you need if you can recognize that, if you can say to God, God, I'm broken. God, I need you to fix me. I accept what you have done for me. I accept that you came and that you stepped in the gap, in the place for me so that I could go from this to this. You did what needed to be done out of love for me. Thank you. You say that this Christmas for the first time, I promise you, I promise you that this will be the best Christmas ever for you. This will be the best Christmas ever for you if you recognize the deep love of God, if you know that nothing can stand in the way of you receiving, celebrating, and reflecting upon that love, not even COVID, and if through that love, because of that love, you can take on a new approach to life, and that new approach to life is putting love into action. Yes, this will be the best Christmas ever for you. There's a theory that at Christmas, people are just a little bit more loving, people are a little bit more caring, generous, kind. I haven't really put the theory to test. I haven't seen all of the, the stats about it, but that's what people say, and I hope that it's true. And at the very least, I hope that it's true for, for us, for those of you who have said, fix my mess, I want to have new life, I want to be complete in you. John 13, 34, and 35, that's also in the love letter, says, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Does the verse, the two verses sound familiar? Tim said them a little bit earlier. These are very important verses, and in two short verses we hear love one another three times. This Christmas will be the best Christmas ever if you take a new approach to how you demonstrate that love. For the past 30 years, my husband and I have been celebrating Christmas basically the same way. On Christmas Eve, we go and we celebrate with his side of the family. And on Christmas Day, we celebrate with my side of the family. And we love this tradition. I love all Christmas traditions. I especially love the tradition of writing Christmas cards and sending Christmas cards, receiving Christmas cards. It's the best time of the year for mail. I love to set out my nativities. 
I love to stuff stockings. I love to do the Christmas baking. All of these kind of traditions we can still do this year, but there's a lot of traditions that we're not going to be doing this year. And if we are doing them, they're going to look a whole lot different. So this year, more than any year, we have a very special opportunity to do something different to show love like we've never loved before. And the reason being is because some of those traditions are just being interrupted. And so that gives us time and space to think about other ways that we can love and support people, that we can, with practical actions, do something to express our love for God and our love for them as well. My family unit of four, we're still gonna have a turkey dinner, but that's a lot of turkey for four people. So what can I do differently? How can I express God's love in a different way this year? I can do something that I haven't been able to do in the past because of our typical traditions, what we're normally doing on Christmas Day. This year, I have a friend who lives just down the road, and he's a single dad, and he's on a fixed income. And this year, I can package up turkey and some of the hot fixings on the side, and I can bring those and drop them off to him. And normally, I would not be able to do that because normally, I'd be in Red Deer with my family celebrating Christmas. But this year, I can put my love into action in a different way. And on the very first Christmas, the one when Jesus came to earth, it was so very special because God put love into action. I would like to encourage you to just bend over backwards this year with love and compassion. Put your love into action God loves the world, and he desires to demonstrate his love for the world through you. Will you let him this year? Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus? Will you express that love? Love is the greatest attribute that any Christian can possess. And Christmas is a time when we can manifest God's love. And if you want some help in knowing what should I do, what can I do, I need some hints, I need some ideas, I'm here for you. The first one, which you may or may not have thought of, is Christmas is the perfect time to invite somebody to church. So you've heard we have this online Christmas Eve service, and it is going to be a wonderful blessing for anybody who participates. Invite somebody. Show them love, express love by welcoming them to participate in the service. Did you know that every single day, people are faced with staggering circumstances? And just because it's Christmas time, it does not mean that marriages are no longer ending. Loved ones are still dying, and loneliness is still overwhelming. For a lot of people, even at Christmas, sometimes especially at Christmas, the future seems bleak and they're hurting. And some people think, 
I'm hurting, so church isn't for me. But church is especially for one who is hurting. We think of that very first Christmas. Those who were in desperate need, who were lonely, who really needed to hear the good news and the great joy, they were specifically sought out. There is something especially powerful about church for those who are hurting. And another way that you can reflect the love of Jesus is you can be generous. You can donate. Maybe you're like me. You have closets full, storage rooms full, a garage full of things that maybe you've been hoarding that you can give to somebody who would benefit from those things instead of you just holding it all to yourself by contributing toques and blankets and winter coats and socks to a shelter. Or by helping maybe children who are undergoing stressful situations. Maybe there is an illness or, or poverty or something that we've done with our angel tree where we've helped children who are absent from their parents by bringing gifts to them. Maybe this is the year that you don't tiptoe past the bell ring, the Salvation Army person, and you actually give some spare change. Maybe this is the year that you don't forget the elderly or the homebound or the people who are in assisted living. If you don't know somebody who could use a companion to talk to on the phone, somebody who could use your help in shoveling the walks or somebody who could use your help in delivering groceries, I do. I have a list of them. I'd be happy to provide you with a name. This is showing God's love in action. And we have many opportunities to be able to do things, to be able to provide meals or deliver them to shut-ins, people who are hungry. For some people, Christmas is the only time that they receive a decent meal. And our church was able to partner with a group of people from Lewis Farms who have recognized this year that there are people who are in need like they haven't been in need before. There's people who have challenges this winter, and they have put together over 100 Christmas feasts for families who could use them. And our church has been able to partner with them. And you might be thinking, all I've been doing lately is staying home, so I don't know about all these opportunities or how I can partner with anybody You've been staying home and you've been doing extra baking, perhaps. Well, who can you share that baking with? Who in your community needs to see love in action? Who can you build a relationship with? Who can you influence for Jesus? I'm going to give you a challenge. Has your income stayed the same this year? Some people can say a definite no. Some people can say it's actually gone up, but most people, maybe, I hope, can say, yeah, it's pretty much stayed the same this year. Well, if that's you, then I'd like to encourage you to be generous and to put love into action for somebody who cannot say the same. There are so many people who have been financially impacted by this pandemic. And if you know of somebody and you yourself can say, my income stayed basically the same, 
then I challenge you to be the one to show love, to demonstrate love in action to them, maybe bringing some gifts to them or doing something special to show them the love of Jesus at work. Christmas is absolutely the best time of the year to share the love of Jesus with the world. Now, of course, every day is a good day, but at Christmas, it seems like people just, they seem to be needing a little bit more. They seem to be seeking more. They seem to be hurting more. And so this is an especially fantastic time for us to just love on them with our actions. So this can be the best Christmas ever if you're recognizing that deep love of the Father. If you are receiving, celebrating, and reflecting upon his love. And if you are taking a new approach this year to demonstrating that love, to showing that love in a practical way. Okay, so we're at the point here where some of you are saying, sorry, Thena, you still haven't convinced me. <laughs> I'm still maybe on the sarcastic best Christmas ever, or question best Christmas ever, and I'm not at the exclamation mark best Christmas ever. And quite frankly, I don't think I will be. Maybe it's impossible for me this year. Okay, so if that's you, if it's not going to be your best Christmas ever, then do everything and anything that you can because of God's love to make it the best Christmas ever for someone else. I want to end the message today by going back to this love letter. God's love letter to us, there's a chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to a wedding or two, you've heard it. It talks about love so much that it's even been dubbed the love chapter. When I'm teaching children lessons, I will often read them something from God's word or tell them something from God's word. And in order for me to ensure that they really grasp it, that they really get the concept, I will often say, okay, now tell me that in your own words. What did I just say? What was just learned about here when we read that story, when we read those verses. And they paraphrase it, and then I can tell if they got it or not. So I want to paraphrase 1 Corinthians 13 for you. And I'm going to do it in a way that just kind of keeps Christmas in mind. If I decorate my house perfectly with strands of twinkling lights and shining balls but do not show love to my family, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I do not show love to my family, 
it profits me nothing. If I attend a myriad of holiday activities and find just the right gift for everyone on my list, but do not focus on Christ, I've missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the activity to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried, though tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has the brightest, best outdoor Christmas display on the block. Love doesn't yell at the kids to take the family photo seriously, but is thankful that they are there to be in that photo. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but it rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break. Diamonds will get lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure. Thank you so much. Please pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us in spite of our mess, of our brokenness, of our failures and our mistakes. Thank you for that first Christmas when you sent Jesus Christ coming to us as a sacrifice and a savior. Lord, please help us to live every day of our lives out of the clear understanding that we are accepted, that we are loved by you, God. And God, please, may our words, may our actions demonstrate the kind of love that we have for you and your creation. God, may this Christmas be the best Christmas ever as we embrace hope, peace, joy, and your perfect, enfolding, welcoming, embracing love. Amen.